y'all heard? One, two, three. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is Y'all, y'all heard. heard. A podcast for me, Marissa Phillips. And me, Pete Phillips. Are surprisingly not related. And this is a show where we take friendship, a little bit of stress, a few laughs, some eye of newt, and you listeners... And we also take a fun topic, and we cook it all up in a cauldron to make a creepy autumnal stew. Very nice. I actually tried to buy a cauldron about an hour ago, but they were all sold out. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know why I have to buy a I cauldron. I have a plastic one. Oh, no, I need... I think I've mentioned me and, and one of our Michaels were in a, were in a coven. Mm. And we only know one spell, like, by heart. And we do it every full moon that we remember. Yeah. And I, I got to light something on fire, just a piece of paper. But I always light it in something that I shouldn't be lighting it in. So I think cauldrons are supposed to, like... Metal trash okay. can is good. Well, <laughs> I don't have one. I live in an apartment. <laughs> uh, once when I did a spell with another friend of mine named Michael... We did the spell in a cast iron cooking pan. Yeah. Yeah, but it made it, like, seem stupid. <laughs> anyway, uh, how are you? In other words, we sell you things you didn't know. You need oh, to know. Exactly. You did not need to know that. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing good. It's fall. That's nice. I know. Long sleeve t-shirt weather. Nobody ever talks about that. What do you mean? Oh, that they just go to sweaters? Yep. Yeah, I'm not... I think I have... Sweater phobia? No. <laughs> and I think I read this could be... Because I was always like... I don't vocalize it. Because then I sound like I want to have a thing. But uh, I think I read it could be a thing tied to anxiety. But I seem to have a, a sensory issue with... <laughs> with long sleeve things so I like to keep it to sweaters that I could shed when I need to because when I'm just like encased in a long sleeve shirt sometimes it's very upsetting to me <laughs> I get it yeah when I when I have long sleeves I always have them like pulled up so well yeah exactly there's just like something that irritates me but you can um, wear a watch can't you it bothers me after a bit okay alright yeah uh anyway other than that I uh was back in New Jersey last week, and it was fun. And uh, I I saw deer, and I tried to feed them, and they ran away, and they never came back. And uh, I saw a baby goat slip and fall over. That was cute. In uh, your backyard? No, 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 no. That was a different. That was a different place. Okay. And I'm sure what there's kind of other. What deer were they? Deer women? Deer babies? Deer men? Well, the first day, it was a couple of does. A couple of does deers. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next day, they brought a buck who had some horns. And then then they never came back. Aren't they scary? And aren't you afraid if you feed the does that a buck will be like, get away from my women? Get away from my woman? No, I'm not. (laughs) Wait, are does women or babies? Does are women. Fawns are babies, right? Oh, yeah. They're not possessive over their women's? I wouldn't... <laughs> Can you kill me? <laughs> I think you think... I think you believe that deer are one of my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> no! Okay, not women. Okay. So, like, you're, 
But if there's a cub, you're not supposed to go near a cub. But yeah, I don't know if that applies to a female bear or to a male bear. Uh, and yes, you're right. I do often confuse deer with your ex-girlfriends. Uh, when you said those deers, it reminded me, my boss today was telling everyone about how hilarious an SNL sketch was. And I was like, that's like the worst sketch in last episode <laughs> where it was like a vaccine specialist named Dr. We Know Dat or whatever. And I was like, this is such a bad character. And she was like, it was so funny. And I was like, I really need to be way less judgmental about what people find funny. One of the many things I, you can judge someone on. <laughs> oh, I love hating people because they find things funny that I don't find funny. Um, How about you, Marissa? There's a um, lot of not good going on, but... I was going to say, what's the weather like over there? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to not talk about that. But uh, if you heard my empaths episode, there was a psychologist uh, who is also an empath specialist of sorts, and I'm in her newsletter... And next Wednesday, if I don't forget, I'm going to take an hour-long webinar where she tells us about the nine types of empaths and how to live accordingly. And I'm going to find out what type of empath I am. <laughs> so, I mean, that's it. <laughs> what are you going to do with that knowledge? Learn how to get control of my life. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Uh, also... I'm just going to say, it's not a plug, but it is a plug. But it's not a plug because it's not good, in my opinion. But I just told Pete, and I want to tell everyone, because I want to talk about it with everyone. There's something on Netflix, I guess it was on the CW, called Two Sentence Horror Stories or something. Is that what it's called? I think so. Oh, my God, please. I don't even know. Maybe it's a half hour at most. It's probably not even a half hour. Please, I beg of you, watch the first episode. (laughs) (laughs) the guy's just like he's just like the the synopsis is like a man uh, fixated on dating single moms meets a woman longing for the perfect life I was like what the fuck and then there's a guy and she's like oh I just put the baby down to sleep and he's like he's like uh, oh you gave her a bottle and she's like yeah you know I stopped breastfeeding him pretty early because I want my tits to be my own. And he's like, you're bad. And then she like thinks he's like, ooh, you're a bad girl. And she's like, oh, yeah, I am bad. And he's like, no, you're a bad mom because you stopped breastfeeding your child. And then it goes from there, and he beats her up uh, and kills her. So... <laughs> so... <laughs> so... I hate it. It's stupid, but also it totally... Just reinforces what I said about how you can't just go around telling people you don't breastfeed your child. <laughs> and I was like, thank you for making a movie about one of my fears. All right. It was it was silly though. It was really bad. That's another thing a coworker recommended. I was like, this is really bad. <laughs> anyway. I watched uh, it all, except the the third episode. I don't know why, but in my Netflix thing, it was like, you quit this one partway through. You want to finish it? Did you watch the one? And if I quit it partway through, you know it's got to be bad. Oh, seriously. Did you watch the one about the beauty blogger, vlogger, whatever? I don't... I, I watched them all, apparently. I just don't remember any of them. I was just like, 
is this a low grade web series? Like what? Who? What? I do remember anyway, that. Yeah. So if you're out of like good things and you want just like trash, watch that. Okay, Pete. We have uh, uh, two voicemails. Mm. Hi, Pete Marissa. This is Alex from Pete's Work. I just finished lawn mowing, and that reminded me. I wanted to give a, a clarification. Um, you have my undivided attention when I'm mowing the lawn and listening to your program because I have the show playing on my AirPods that go under my hearing protection, so the lawnmower is not too loud for me to hear the podcast at all. Another thing is, I think it's interesting how you guys explore different subcultures on the show, like health goth and cottagecore. I guess that one's more of a lifestyle. And some of these, like, remember health goth, you guys were even talking about, like, is this really a thing or is this just this one guy? And so I kind of wonder how you draw the line between something being a subculture or not. Also, maybe kind of related, I need to get a ruling on this, can you be a member of a subculture without, like, trying to join it? Like, I think I might be technically straight edge because I don't eat meat or drink alcohol or consume any substances like that. But, man, I do a lot of coffee. But that doesn't lock you out of straight edge, right? Do I need to, like, be interested in any kind of music for that, though? I don't think that's fair. All right. Have a great day. Thanks for the show, guys. Bye. You are so fun. Can he get the award for the most engaged listener we've ever had? <laughs> Alex, you are very fun. Oh, Uh, the next one is even better for you. Okay, should we address this yet, or should we listen to the next one? So, when it comes to the to the subculture stuff, I think we just go off of what whatever we find. Like we hear about something and we hear that it sounds dumb, and then we look it up. And if anybody says it's a subculture, we go, (laughs) (laughs) look at this thing called a subculture. Yeah, I will say that there are some things called subcultures, at least on the internet, that I really can only find a handful of people. But I did find at the time, I don't, I think health goth isn't something people talk about anymore, but there was like a decent amount of stuff on the internet for it. Like, if there was nothing, I probably wouldn't have tried to pass it off as a subculture. So I would say, like, there needs to be a pretty hefty internet presence for me to feel comfortable with that. I didn't know if Cottagecore was a thing. Pete made me research it. But then TikTok would indicate, well, see, TikTok would indicate it's a point of interest. I really want to know how many people are doing that off of TikTok. Because if you only do it on the internet, how does that translate? I don't know. That's a, So I don't have an answer to that one. But I would say, like, based on their internet presence, their subcultures. And can you be in a subculture by mistake? Pete, what do you think about that? Yes, because I'm a bird punk. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, Alex, I guess some, if people were to say you were straight edge, some would argue, as you said, whether or not you were a true straight edge since you drink coffee. Uh, but I don't know. I guess I would say, but yeah, I don't well, know. Because I was young, it. I wanted to be a, a goth so bad, but I felt like I wasn't in it. And then eventually I did feel like I was in it, but it wasn't like someone threw me a parade and said, you're officially part of us. <laughs> and in one of those episodes, we did sort of talk, like, I, it might have been bird punk because it was like, okay, you're interested in birds and you live a lifestyle that sort of aligns with punk sensibilities. Shut up, phone. Marissa, I don't know if you're getting slammed with phone calls about who the hell you're going to vote for, but I don't know what I did to get on a list. Probably because I'm a white male, right? And they don't care what you have to <laughs> So, anyway, we were talking about, um, like, 
if you live a lifestyle that matches punk sensibilities and you're into birds automatically de facto you just happen to be a bird punk like you never signed up for this you just became a bird punk (laughs) yeah i don't know so that i i don't have a total answer but like that'd be funny like everyone's just like behind your back referring to you as straight edge all this time and you like (laughs) have no idea (laughs) okay it'd be funnier Uh, if straight edge people are judging Alex and going like this asshole over here thinks that he's straight edge, but he drinks coffee all the time. What a what a scumbag! Because <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I notoriously, you mean this is a I try to be open minded, but I notoriously usually don't like people who are straight edge. Let me fix that. I don't dislike people who don't drink and do drugs. I dislike people who call themselves straight edge because they're usually wildly preachy. Alex. You seem like a fabulous person, and I like you even more due to the fact that you don't know whether you are or not. <laughs> okay. It should be noted one. that we also don't really love it when people call themselves quirky. So I don't like when anyone calls themselves anything. I will accept a goth or a punk, but then I will also judge them on whether or not I find that acceptable. <laughs> but yeah, I hate quirky. Oh, I hate weird. I hate straight. I hate everything. I hate titles. Go I think ahead. Marissa hates herself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Marissa, this next one is for you. Okay. So I got to Marissa's comment in the show about how she is in therapy, had been doing it on the phone, and now because the pandemic is not as pandemic y, they're taking that away and she either needs to go in person or do it over video. And that is annoying. It's not like the pandemic has gotten better, but like things should be changing all that much from how we were doing them in like April. So I talked with my spouse, who is a therapist, um, and the deal with doing video versus phone therapy is for providers, it's kind of an ethical thing and help, to help them figure out, like, oh, is client actually in a safe place when they're having a phone conversation? It's harder to tell with that versus over a video connection. Insurance companies have a strong preference for having a video call over an audio call, and I'm not sure why, and I think some of that is kind of dumb insurance rules. The point is that there are rules that favor video conferences over phone calls, and then um, some insurance was offering no teletherapy before the pandemic, but is now in the process of rolling it back, and I think that's kind of crappy. I wish everybody was able to just be able to do therapy in whatever way made the most sense for them, but um, um, thanks for being so open about your uh, you know, mental health treatment. The more that we talk about it and share, the easier it is for everybody to get the help they need. I, I want to clarify, Alex wasn't tap dancing the whole time. <laughs> he was recording that. I don't know what happened with the audio on that. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> uh, there was a little bit of issue me hearing it, but I, I, I got that he explained why the video was needed, that you could kind of like pick up stuff in the background and see see like if they're always in the same place and like kind of see their surroundings and stuff like that. That's, that's what he was saying, right? Yeah. And then the uh, other yeah. half was sort of like... Yeah, just for some reason, insurance companies like it more than uh, just a phone call. Well, thank you. I, if anyone would have told me that, I would be less annoyed. <laughs> like, so I really appreciate you bringing that. That, yeah, I never thought about it that way. How like it kind of gives the person a more comprehensive picture. I assume the the insurance companies had their own weird reasons, but I never thought from like a provider's uh, perspective how 
that could be useful. So thank you. And thank you for not being disturbed. My, my constant sharing of my <laughs> mental health battles. So there is listeners telling us things that we needed to know. So thank you for yeah. that, Alex. <laughs> thank you, Alex. If you ever want to call and leave us a voicemail, 570-PODWAD1 is our phone number. Um, there's numbers for the letters. If you don't know how to use the phone, let us know. We'll be sure to get you <laughs> the, the numbers because I don't have them in front of me. <laughs> Yesterday, someone, well, someone I know, not like a stranger, one of my friends slid into my DMs and just said, PODWAD, to which I wanted to say, either leave a voicemail or go away. <laughs> <laughs> you... Take those words off your lips unless you're leaving us a voicemail. <laughs> anyway. Icebreaker. So, Marissa, do you have an icebreaker? No. Do you? Last week we both had icebreakers. <laughs> and oh. this week neither one of us has an icebreaker. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh... Yeah, I've probably have asked this before. I have a great one for next week, though. I just have okay. to actually like do some research for it. Oh, uh, I've probably asked this before, but I feel like it could change over time, and I don't remember your answer. And it's spooky time of year, so you could either answer your favorite or scariest or both. What's your favorite scary movie or the most chilling scary movie you've seen? It's really hard for me. Because you mean like scary, scary? No, as I said, you could just do favorite or you could do scary, scary. It's up to you. I know I talk about maybe in the summer I talk about it, but I really like the movie The Burbs, and that's kind of like got some scary elements to it. Mm, okay. Kind of a dark comedy. Mm. Or a black comedy, if, if Marissa. So be careful is. with it. <laughs> <laughs> Because Tyler Perry movies are also black comedies. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So I really like that. I don't know. I watch a lot. I know. So that's other, fine. I mean, that's, the other thing that's I'm running out. into is that I, just like the two-sentence horror stories, I'm like, I, I watch something and it immediately leaves my mind. I'm like not retaining anything that I watch anymore. Um for more than like a week so interesting <laughs> but um i did like going in a different direction i would say like the th a thing that i watched this year that is my favorite scary movie that i saw um the wolf of snow hollow okay and the wolf of snow hollow um ricky lindholm's in it but other than that it's a bunch of and and robert forster it's his last movie it's a fun movie to watch, and there's there's like a werewolf question mark in it, and mm -hmm. and it's sort of like from the perspective of a police officer. And the thing that I love about it the most is that it's so far away. It's such it's more a character study than it is. It's a character study that happens to take place with a bunch of horror stuff around it, and okay. um, you keep getting lost in the in the character. And uh, the things that the character, the main character, is going through, but at the same time, you're always like, "Oh shit, that's right, there's a werewolf." <laughs> okay. So it's kind of fun to watch for that, and he freaks out a lot, and that made me feel seen. <laughs> now, yeah, okay. listeners, if you're like me, you may be wondering: Was Quit Pete saying there is quite possibly a werewolf, or was he saying that the question mark itself? 
with a lycanthropic question mark. <laughs> do not tell, do not spoil that. For I would people. never. I would never, never. Marissa. You can't watch it anyway because there's too much gore. <laughs> Edit. I pick the people under the stairs. That's a fun movie. God, I just before I jump into my topic. I, I we've heard before that I don't I don't watch gory movies, but there's like I make exceptions, but then like people seem disturbed by my exceptions because I can't articulate why certain things have been the exception. But uh, I might have also mentioned that when I was in high school, I refused to let myself watch rated R movies. Nobody told me I couldn't until I think my like mid twenties. I didn't allow myself to watch rated R movies. Uh, it was a little, it was a conservative Christian thing. Now, gore just stays in my mind and repeats itself as an intrusive thought. So, that's why. So, a lot of people, I've said it before, think I like gore movies. Boy, are they so wrong. But I will tell you one thing. I do like a scary movie, but there is something that is just too scary for me to even think about because it could really happen. Like Boo 2? <laughs> Medea Halloween? That yes. happened. <laughs> yeah, that exists. I don't think I saw it yet. Guys, I love Boo Medea Halloween. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't watch it! Thank you! I'm gonna watch it today if I can find it. Excuse <laughs> me. Uh, one of the scariest things that sometimes I think about uh, is having a <laughs> psychopathic child. <laughs> now, if you're like, what are you talking about? Now, wait a second. Did you tell us your scary movie? Oh, whoops. I was just going to my topic. I totally that's okay. That's okay. Because it's, it'll still work. But I was like, uh, is her scariest movie, like, Orphan? <laughs> like, no, some I, movie I, about a scary child? <laughs> no, oops. Uh, I mean, this is my favorite of all time. My favorite of all time used to be The Ring, but I've watched it so many times. It's not really scary anymore. Plus, they remade it, and you love that one more, right? Oh, yeah, I meant that one. I still haven't seen the... Oh, that one! Oh, fuck, I forgot they made it again! Sorry, yeah, the the remake of the English one. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did they, no, 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 they remade The Grudge. No, they did Nothing. The Ring. Wait, no, wait. Oh. It's called Ring. Oh, shit, you're right! Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't watch that. Guys, I didn't watch that shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, okay. But a movie that I still hold in high regard and I still find very creepy is... The... What the fuck is that called? I was going to say Contagion, not Contagion. Cut the Conjuring. Okay. Uh, what did you say? The Babadook. No, oh God, that's going to... I'll talk... I couldn't finish that movie because maybe something... <laughs> um, and uh, my favorite scary movie so far of this year is Vampires vs. the Bronx, which right. is not a... It's not really scary. It's more fun. Uh, almost everyone I knew... I know... Was a little let down because I expected it to be scary, but if you just look for like a a, a spooky romp, it's really fun. There's kids uh, in it, anyway. right? Like it's like a story about kids. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's not it's not gory. It has like slightly cheesy vampires, but it's like it's like the Lost Boys, but like even a little bit more tame. But it's just really fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I didn't finish watching the Babadook because when there's a movie about a psychopathic child I can't relate to the parents still being like I'm going to push through and save this child mm-hmm. that yeah. makes you sound like a monster but I'm always just like put your child somewhere like you if your child do you think your child's going to kill you like you like <laughs> somewhere put it somewhere <laughs> put them in a program like 
don't live with them anymore. <laughs> and uh, I was watching uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor, the sequel to the well, the the second season of The Haunting of Hill House or whatever the hell that is. It was very annoying because it had to do with children. I really can't get into a movie about psychopathic children. One, because children are annoying playing adult roles, like just having like adult, adult like traits. And two, I just, I'm just so upset by it because I'm like, no. Maybe if I was a mother, I would be like, oh, yes, I would push through this. But I'm just like, no. So I had a similar the- ethical discussion with my girlfriend <laughs> mm. <laughs> about Captain America the Winter Soldier and I was like I don't know why Captain America just didn't kill Bucky the Winter Soldier because he's clearly some sort of t- ticking time bomb nobody knows yeah. when he's going to go off nobody knows what's going to set him off and you just got to kill him because that's that's all the and <laughs> she was like no but he was a friend and he saved his life and they've known each other <laughs> and I'm like I get it I get it but still <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean He's clearly a threat, and and if I'm Bucky too, I'm going to be like, you know what, guys, you should probably take me out because. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like maybe if I become a mother, I will have a different perspective. But right now, I'm like, no, send your child somewhere. I don't want them in the house. We have Bob now, Marissa, I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, where is somewhere? <laughs> like a mental health facility. Okay. Not on the road. Not like in a box Not in underground. A no, send them <laughs> to a facility and they don't live with you anymore. Uh, also, I read a lot about serial killers, and I just read the book by the last podcast on the left people, and they start all the way from childhood, and it's always jarring when because a lot of them, you know, they have bad, uh, you know, family lives, but some of them have very nice family lives, and their kid ends up so fucked up, and I'm like. You can do everything right, and your child could still kill a whole bunch of people. Um, so, I'm going to talk about that. I Googled. If any of our listeners have recently had children, give us a call at 570 <laughs> Tell us about the time that you thought your child would turn into a serial killer. I don't know whether I Googled child psychopaths or whether I Googled can children be psychopaths. But, uh, yeah, let's get into this. Heads up, uh, if you do call and leave a voicemail, we will, uh, like, like distort it somehow so that you don't get indicted. <laughs> um, so I am going to, at the beginning, I'm going to read part of an article. I just want you to know my whole presentation is not a part of an article, but I liked this story of this 11-year-old girl named Samantha. So let's start. This is from a story in the Atlantic. At 11, Samantha is just over five feet tall and has wavy black hair and a steady gaze. She flashes a smile when I ask her about her favorite subject, which is history, and grimaces when I ask about her least favorite, math. She seems poised and cheerful, a normal preteen. But when we steer into uncomfortable territory, the events that led her to this juvenile treatment facility, nearly 2,000 miles from her family, Samantha hesitates and looks down at her hands. I wanted the whole world to myself, she says. So I made a whole entire book about how to hurt people. First of all, I can't imagine an 11-year-old saying that, but sure. Anyway, starting at age six, Samantha began drawing pictures of murder weapons, a knife, a bow and arrow, 
chemicals for poisoning, a plastic bag for suffocating. She tells me that she pretended to kill her stuffed animals. You were practicing on your stuffed animals, I ask? She nods. How did you feel when you were doing that to your stuffed animals? Happy, she says. Why did it make you feel happy? Because I thought that someday I was going to end up doing it on somebody. <laughs> did you ever try? Silence. I choked my little brother. Samantha's parents, Jen and Danny, adopted Samantha when she was two. They already had three biological children, but they felt called to add Samantha and her half-sister, who is two years older, to their family. They later had two more kids. Anyone listening to this that in their mind is saying, that's why you don't adopt, shut the hell up, okay? <laughs> anyway. From the start, Samantha seemed a willful child in tyrannical need of attention. But what toddler isn't? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> her biological mother had been forced to give her up because she'd lost her job and home and couldn't provide for her four children. But there was no evidence of abuse. According to documentation from the state of Texas, Samantha met all her cognitive, emotional, and physical milestones. She had no learning disabilities, no emotional scars, and no signs of ADHD or autism. But even at a very young age, Samantha had a mean streak. When she was about 20 months old and living with foster parents in Texas, she clashed with a boy in daycare. The caretaker soothed them both and problem solved. Later that day, Samantha, who was already potty trained, walked over where the boy was playing, pulled down her pants and peed on him. She knew exactly what she was doing, Jen said. There was an ability to wait until an opportune moment to exact her revenge on someone. Not gonna lie, a little girl peeing on someone is so jarring to me. If it was a little boy, it would be less jarring, but it takes so much effort as a woman to pee, like standing up and direct your stream, like that takes effort. Anyway, when Samantha got older, she would pinch, trip, or push her siblings and smile if they cried. She would break into her sister's piggy bank and rip up all the dollar bills. Once when Samantha was five, Jen scolded her for being mean to one of her siblings. Samantha walked upstairs to her parents' bathroom and washed her mother's contact lenses down the drain. Her behavior wasn't impulsive, Jen said. It was very thoughtful, premeditated. Jen, a former elementary school teacher, and Danny, a physician, realized they were out of their depths. Oh, excuse me. They consulted doctors, psychiatrists, and therapists, but Samantha only grew more dangerous. They admitted her to a psychiatric hospital three times before sending her to a residential treatment program in Montana at the age of six. Samantha would grow out of it, one psychologist would say. The problem was merely delayed empathy. Samantha was impulsive, another said, something that medication would fix. Yet another suggested that she had reactive attachment disorder, which could be fixed with intensive therapy. More darkly, and typically in these sorts of cases, another psychologist blamed Jen and Danny, implying that Samantha was reacting to harsh and unloving parenting. I promise the article's done soon. <laughs> the article's not done, but the part I did. One bitter December in 2011, Jen was driving the children along a winding road near their home. Samantha had just turned six. Suddenly, Jen heard screaming from the back seat, and when she looked in the mirror, she saw Samantha 
with her hands around the throat of her two-year-old sister, who was trapped in her car seat. Jen separated them, and once they were home, she pulled Samantha aside. What were you doing? Jen asked. I was trying to choke her, Samantha said. You realize that you would have killed her, right? She would not have been able to breathe. She would have died. I know, said Samantha. (laughs) What about the rest of us? I want to kill all of you. (laughs) And then it goes on, but I'm going to cut it off for now. I, uh, guys, I just want to let you know, a lot of the laughing I was doing was uh, from Marissa's read of the article. <laughs> Not the circumstances in the article. I figured, I figured. Okay. Now, Pete, did you know that psychopath is an adult condition and children cannot be called psychopaths? What's the break? Wait, what? What? Like, do you have to be 18 to be a psychopath? Oh, I mean, I assume so. Or, no, you have to be, I think, what age do they consider your brain fully formed? Like, okay. yeah, yeah. Children cannot be called psychopaths because it is a term that relates to an adult psychiatric condition where the person has no empathy for others and behaves abnormally and sometimes violently without guilt or remorse. Pete, do you think you've ever come across a psychopath in your life? <laughs> Maybe, but no, I guess not. <laughs> what context were you possibly considering you had? People that I work with. <laughs> okay. So, disturbingly to me, this is not what an article says, disturbingly to me, there is no standard test for psychopathy in children. But a growing number of psychologists believe that psychopathy, like autism, is a distinct neurological condition, one that can be identified in children as young as five. Pete, this is going off of nothing. But not treated. What? What do you mean? You can't, like, you can identify it, but you can't really treat it in any way? Uh, yeah, it seems like... You just lock them up in an insane asylum. Sorry, in an institution. Not necessarily, Bill. There are therapies. And that's what happens to Michael Myers in Rob Zombie's (laughs) Halloween. Uh, I was going to ask you, just like going off of nothing, like if, if, if you saw a child who seemed psychopathic, would you think like, holy shit, those poor parents had a child that, you know, they never expected? Or were you, would you think like, what are those parents doing behind the scenes that made their child a psychopath? Like, do you think psychopaths are born or made? Like, uh, I'm not going to say, like, psychopath, but I know somebody who has a kid who's a little, like, behaviorally questionable. <laughs> yeah, that, and, I will say I'm not talking about kids with behavioral issues. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, it like, um... A lack of empathy. Go ahead. Yeah, like, in that situation, I'm, I, I, like, knowing the parent, I'm, like, there's no way that this person isn't giving their all and doing their best and everything like that. But if yeah. it was like some stranger on the street, I'd probably be like, that person's probably an asshole and their kid's an asshole because they're an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but like, you know, uh, I, I do, you know, if I know a person and I hear about, you know, different things like that, sometimes I do kind of think like, wow, what, what made the kid act that way? And also, man, it sucks for this person to be in that situation because they're, they're doing their best and, I know. Nothing seems to be working. (laughs) 
And then to your point, Marissa, and then what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> In the case of a lot of serial killers, I think I might have mentioned previously that a lot of them had pretty severe head trauma from an early age that kind of changed who they were as a person. But anyway, let's continue. And let's. again, I am not talking about kids with behavioral issues. It has to do with a callousness and lack of empathy that is next level. Crucial to the psychopath diagnosis are callous, unemotional traits, with which most researchers now believe distinguish fledgling psychopaths from children with ordinary conduct disorder, who are also impulsive and hard to control and may exhibit hostile or violent behavior. Uh, according to some studies, roughly one-third of children with severe behavioral problems, like aggressive disobedience, also test above normal on callous unemotional traits. Uh, however, narcissism and impulsivity, which are part of the adult diagnostic criteria, are difficult to apply to children who are narcissistic and impulsive by nature. So that would partially describe why it's hard to call the child a psychopath. Okay. Um, in some children, callous and emotional traits manifest in obvious ways. Uh, Paul Frick, a psychologist at the University of New Orleans, who has studied risk factors for psychopathy in children for two decades, described one boy who used a knife to cut off the tail of the family cat bit by bit over a period of weeks. The boy was proud of the of the amputations, which his parents initially failed to notice. When we talked about it, he was very straightforward, for recalls. He said, I want to be a scientist, and I was experimenting. I wanted to see how the cat would react. In another famous case, a nine-year-old boy named Jeffrey Bailey pushed a toddler into the deep end of a swimming pool in Florida. As the boy struggled and sank to the bottom, Bailey pulled up a chair to watch. Questioned by the police afterward, Bailey explained that he was curious to see someone drown. When he was taken into custody, he seemed untroubled by the prospect of jail, but was pleased to be the center of attention. Don't know why. While the acts and everything in that story are very uncool to begin with, there is something about him pulling up a chair that is so upsetting. <laughs> anyway. Now, how old is that kid? Uh, that kid was nine, and he drowned a toddler. Right. But I'm wondering, like, do you have a concept of death by then? Would that be something? You know, like, oh, I didn't. I was. I wanted to see somebody drown, but I didn't know they would die from it. You would think you'd do by nine, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would say so. In many children, though, uh, signs are much more subtle. Callous and emotional children tend to be highly manipulative, Frick notes. They also lie frequency frequency what they also lie frequently not just to avoid punishment as you know generally children will but for any reason or none at all most kids if you catch them stealing a cookie from the cookie jar before dinner they'll look guilty they want the cookie but they also feel bad even kids with severe emotional or behavioral issues uh, for, with ADHD, for example, they may have poor impulse control, but they still feel bad when they realize that their mom is mad at them. Callous, unemotional children are unrepentant. They don't care if someone is mad at them. They don't care if it hurts someone's feelings. Like adult psychopaths, they can seem to lack humanity. If they can get what they want without being cruel, that's often easier. But at the end of the day, they'll do whatever works best. See, that's, that's the kind of person that I feel like I know. 
Really? Okay. I like it. Uh, not a child. You mean a worker, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it. Okay. Uh, the idea that a child could have psychopathic tendencies remains controversial among many psychologists. Lawrence Steinberg, a psychologist at Temple University, has argued that psychopathy, like other personality disorders, is almost impossible to diagnose accurately in children or even in teenagers, both because their brains are still developing and because normal behavior at these ages can be misinterpreted as psychopathic. <laughs> Other fears that, oh, I'm sorry, others fear that even if such a diagnosis can be made accurately, the social cost of branding a young child a psychopath is right. simply too high. Um, and the disorder has historically been considered fairly untreatable, it's worth noting. Uh, John Edens, a clinical psychologist at Texas University, has cautioned against spending money on research to identify children at high at risk of psychopathy. This isn't like autism, where the child and parents will find support, Edens observed. Even if accurate, it's a ruinous diagnosis. No one is sympathetic to the mother of a psychopath. That is so odd that he would be like, no one's going to care. So I'm going to put money into it. Like, yeah. what? He seems like he's lazy. Um, <laughs> uh, Mark Daz, a psychologist at the University of New South Wales who studies antisocial behavior in children, acknowledges that no one is comfortable labeling a five-year-old a psychopath. But he says ignoring these traits may be worse. The research showing that this temperament exists and can be identified in young children is quite strong. Recent studies have revealed what appear to be significant anatomical differences in the brains of adolescent children who scored high on the youth version of the psychopathy checklist, an indication that the trait may be innate. Another study, which tracked the psychological development of 3,000 children over 25 years, found that signs of psychopathy could be detected in children as young as three years old. A small but growing number of psychologists excuse me, say that confronting the problem earlier may present an opportunity to help children change course. Researchers hope, for example, that the capacity for empathy, which is controlled by specific parts of the brain, might still exist weakly in callous and emotional children and could be strengthened. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, I you guess... Got to work your uh, empathy muscle. I guess... I guess if a child like wiling out, like someone's gonna be like, "Oh, they'll grow out of it." Right. But if they're like, I mean, "Boys will be boys." But if your kid goes into your room at night, looks you in the eye, and goes, "I'm gonna kill you tonight," like, what do you say? Like, "Oh, ha, ha, I'll grow out of that." Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Um. I, so most of the, the info I gave about the research was from uh, the New York Times article. Um, but then there was a Psychology Today article um, by a psychologist who basically does not agree with this, with the point that the New York Times one is making. Uh, the New York Times one is basically, well, she is very dramatic. The New York Times one is saying that there might be like, some actual issues that the child could be born with anatomically that like it might take 
more work to get them to feel empathy. But in her article, she keeps saying that the New York Times article is trying to prove that children can be born evil. I definitely do not think that that's the wording the New York Times article added. Um, and her and answer would be that children have to learn evil? Her answer is that... Okay, so not learn evil, but... Oops, sorry, I lost my place. Hers stressed me out. <laughs> uh, she says that she does not believe a child, like, that, that psychopathy is a born trait, that it is something that could kind of be learned. But I don't mean in the way of, oh, my dad's a psychopath, so I'm a psychopath. But that she thinks it's more, it can be attributed to parental expectations. Uh, in the development of a child's personality. Uh, so let's say, like, when your baby's growing and someone's like, this, this child was such a, such a fussy baby. Like, he'll end up being a troublemaker when he grows up or something like that. Like, like they might exhibit some trait early on and so that kind of, like, informs the way you view your child as they grow. Um, so she was saying, like, because in the New York Times article, the author keeps saying, like, the girl who choked her brother, she was like, but the family seems so normal. But then this person in the Psychology Today article was like, but what impact does it have on that child's face to see the terror, hatred, and suspicion in their mother's eyes when they come to, to take him to sleep or they come to, to talk to him? And what implications will this have as he attempts to build relationships with others? That okay, now, like, lady, maybe this is what you're going to say, Marissa, but, like, what about the fear and apprehension in the eyes when they wake up with this kid standing over them with, a, like, a steak knife? <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, like, what do you want them to do? <laughs> like, if your child acts like he's going to kill you, are you supposed to push through it and act like shit's cool and like you're not terrified of your child like it felt very parent blaming and parent shaming um she says that she's not denying that heredity may play a role um but like that it's more important that people examine like i said the role of parental expectations and also how going back generations through family history um, there could be a, quote, legacy of trauma that might seek voice in the current generation, to which I say, what do you do with that? Right. Like, like cool, lady. Like, what I felt about this, and this, I expect, I usually, I maybe mean, this is naive of me, expect Psychology Today articles to be, like, well-researched, because uh, they're by psychologists, but they're, like, I I don't I can't think of an actionable way to deal with the information she's saying needs to be to be looked at. Like, okay, you have trauma in your family history, and your child says they're going to kill you every day. What do you expect them to do? I uh, work with someone who believes in energy healing, and one of the things that that she believes is that. Uh, yeah, a, a history of trauma from your family 
like it's it's almost like that trauma gets passed down person to person and of course like it probably compounds too over time and so like six generations ago your great times five grandparent may have like murdered somebody on the street and now you're still carrying that that darkness with you and and you need someone to help you clear it and then i'm like yeah what does that look like yeah like you jump in a time machine and stop them? Like no, there's too many there's too many butterfly effect type things that could happen. Probably like, has to do with aura cleansing, Pete. Yeah, I yeah. just called you multiple Pete. <laughs> I said Pete. All of us over here yes. agree that you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> um, if that was the case, I feel like all of us would just be fucking a mess because the further you go back in time, the harsher the harsher the world was. There's a lot of baby boomers who would say that's not true, Marissa. I was... <laughs> you know, the good old days. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't know. That's actually, that's 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 all the research I have because really, like, the New York Times was the most comprehensive in terms of, like, giving me concrete things um, because that article was basically saying, like, yeah, child, children can be psychopaths. But, yeah, mostly on the Internet, you'll see people saying children cannot be labeled psychopaths. Um, I think if someone is indicating psychopathic behavior, they should be treated as such. I don't mean, again, I'm not, if I have a It's child, a fine line. Love them so much. But I'm saying my child daily says they're going to kill me. I wouldn't ignore that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But I think that opens up uh, a subjectivity, right? All right, listen, personal story. <laughs> um, Marissa knows when I was 10, I had cancer. Yeah. And one of the things, one of the uh, uh, terrible memories that I have is that uh, there's a kid named Matt in my class, and his mom was friends with my mom. And so he knew that something was going on, and he was like, hey, did they find out if the tumor is cancerous yet? And I was like, no. And then he would ask me, like, every single day. It was annoying and not right. But we were children, like third or fourth grade. And then one day, like, I knew it was yes, but I kept telling him no. And then one day I was just like, yes. And then he was like, oh. And then he told everybody in the class that I have cancer. Oh. And, And, like, purging my feelings that day. As a young kid who found out that he had cancer and that he was going to have surgery that might result in him missing the second half of his leg, you killed. I wrote down in a notebook, I hate that kid and I wish he was dead. Later, of course, yes, my mom finds the notebook and thinks that I'm a crazy person. So that's the thing. If, like, it's a a sort of, like, sliding scale, right? Like, somebody could read that and be like, well, it's time to put my kid in an institution. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of context that needs to be known to the to the point that I think it is worth studying because you know it, uh, the same thing for like smoking and lung cancer you don't just go like well hey people are deciding to smoke so let's just let them die if they want to die <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I'm to... so disturbed well, I've never heard of something where people are just like well if we even if we do prove it no one's Nothing gonna like do, do anything it. so yeah. stop researching it that's like insane how is that even still have his license. I don't know. It's weird. So anyway, I just... Pete, have you seen the movie We Need to Talk About Kevin? No. I haven't. I cue it all the time, and then I never watch it. 
Yeah, I don't think I want to watch it, but I like to read about it sometimes. Not that made it sound like every night before I go to bed, I like to read mm-hmm. about it. No, I bet I've read about it. Ooh, has anyone times. posted something new about the ten-year-old movie today? <laughs> <laughs> no, because it looked intriguing, but I didn't really know what it was. And then sometimes I go like, "What was that movie about again?" <laughs> and I read the Wikipedia again. Uh, I read a lot of movies. Wikipedia guys. Despite me not watching gore, I read so many Wikipedias of gore and sometimes hentai. Don't judge me. Anyway. Plugs. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, that sounded weird. If you know what hentai is, I read of notable hentais that people talk about and I'm like, I don't want to watch that. I don't mean like I go and like, ooh, let me let me calm down tonight and read about some hentai. I, I have to clarify all these things. Anyway. I don't think um, it's helping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, guys. So I hope none of you have psychopathic children. <laughs> Me too. Plugs. Okay, so yeah, plugs. So my mother, who notoriously like isn't into pop culture and like doesn't care too much about shows and stuff, in quarantine we've been bonding in a new way because she recommend shows and movies to me and so far they've all been really good um she recommended one to me recently which i would say this wasn't the strongest one she recommended i wouldn't even recommend it to anyone and yet here you are in the plug section (laughs) but i would say no because i wouldn't say it's good but i would say it's very it's so light. It's like watching Friends, which I know is controversial. But it's like I used to just have Friends on all the time. I feel like I can comfortably have this on. I can't believe it. Because I kept going, like, I ain't watching this show. And then my mother's like, you should watch it. And then I'm kind of watching it just because I like watching the same show as my mom. But uh, I'm watching Emily in Paris by the makers of Sex in the City. But there was something weird about it, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I read a review today. And someone pointed out that it was as if a really old person wrote it because they don't seem to understand anything about how influencers work and social media and stuff. And I was like, now I like it more that they pointed that out. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, if you just need, like, a really, really, like, vapid, no-stakes, comfortable show, Emily in Paris. Also, Boo Medea Halloween. Only one so far. You you can't quite plug two since you haven't seen it oh yeah 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 no i, I don't think two is gonna be as good but abu amadiel how could it be how could it exactly. be exactly but <laughs> first boo was one of my favorite halloween shows movies go ahead what's yours i don't know that i have any plugs this week guys so uh join our patreon if you go to our patreon and you go back far enough you'll be able to find a halloween radio show that marissa and i did it's probably like two to three hours long and it's from well over 10 years ago (laughs) (laughs) that's fun to listen to you know they're all still halloween songs so that's yeah still available uh but yeah otherwise have a good week please give us a call at 570 pod one if you have any spooky stories they could either have happened to you or they call what i said good call i forgot about it yeah, or, or they could just be, like, fictional spooky stories, like creepypasta, or from, whatever, just a story you happen to know that's spooky. Uh, share it on 570-PODWOD1. We won't pick up the phone. It's just a voicemail. 
and you don't need to like have it like presented perfectly but yeah so yeah hey marissa the other thing that <laughs> i don't want to put in your head but i'm going to anyway what did you know spooky is technically don't tell me he's racist yeah <laughs> no And I was like, but Spooky's like duty and booby. Like, they're fun words. My mind never even went there in my whole life. Um, when I was in college, uh, I think you know the story, Marissa, but when I was in college, I was dating a girl who was like, I would never want to buy somebody else's house. And I was like, she's like, I, I would have to make one. Like, I would have to pay somebody to build me a house. And I was like, why? And she goes, because spooks. And I was like, oh, no, is she racist? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, of course, she meant ghosts. And she didn't want to live in a house that was haunted by someone else. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, people in their regional or old-timey scary terms are fascinating. Blake Wexler, who, by the way, Pete, is coming back to Punchline next week uh, nice. in Philly, uh, did a skit about how some people call goosebumps chill bumps or chicken scan and uh it's very funny you should listen to blake wexler everybody mm -hmm. anyway bye everybody thank you for listening bye <laughs> okay Hi.